2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to read verses 3 to 5, and we're doing a message entitled Casting Down Imaginations. And as we're going to see, there are various things that we deal with on a daily basis, different thoughts that come in, different thoughts that try to attack us and hinder our walk with God. And we have to realize that as we're serving Jesus Christ, we have on the battle gear, the armor, and the marching orders of the kingdom of light. Amen? And because of that, the enemy doesn't like it. He targets us. He tries to send various things our way to try to cripple us. And the primary means in which he tries to assault us is through the battle of our minds. So we just need to be aware of that. Not afraid of that, but just aware of the fact that he's going to try to undermine us. Amen? Hallelujah. So as we're doing that, I can just even give you an example. Over the last couple of weeks, as many of you know, I had early stage prostate cancer. I had surgery. But one of the things that kind of gave me the warning signs of symptoms of that is that sometimes I would go to the bathroom and then after I went, I felt like, man, I feel like I have to go back again. And they say medically that that could be a sign of an enlarged prostate. It could also be a urinary tract infection. So it's something that anybody could have without it being a major thing. But that was one of the things that kind of like opened up the door to say, hey, there could be something wrong here. Now, I've had the surgery. I'm 100% cured. But there's been times over the last year where... I would have that same kind of symptom, and I would go and go to the bathroom, come out like, man, it's like i got to go back. And the first thing the devil tried to do is say, you got cancer again. This time it's in your bladder or it's in your colon or something like that. So these are the types of thoughts and the kinds of things that the enemy would try to send your way, and you just got to be aware of it. Sometimes the thing is formed and fashioned by the enemy, the devil, or his minions planting thoughts in your head, and then other times it's your flesh itself speaking to you. So you got to be able to categorize what category does it fall in, and regardless of whether it comes from the devil and his kingdom or your flesh, you got to know that there's, it's a war that you're in, the stakes are high, it's going to affect your perceptions of life, the nature of God, and what God can do in you, and you got a choice. Either sit back, lay down, and die, or be miserable, or get up and say, hey, I'm going to fight this thing in Jesus' name. Amen? So with no further ado, let's read our text scripture. And like I said, it's 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. And it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we just come before you right now, Father, just asking you to speak to our hearts and our minds, especially our minds, Father, because you know that the enemy tries to send in all kinds of negativity on a daily basis. He tries to cripple us. He tries to keep us in a corner. He tries to, even when God tries to show us that there's great opportunities in front of us, the enemy tries to make us feel intimidated. We're too small. We're not talented enough. We're not smart enough. Eight million different excuses that come our way. So we just praise you, Father, that through this series, Father, that you would show us 
how to recognize those things, how to counteract and overcome those things through your word and by your spirit, Father, that we would fulfill the calling that you have for our lives. And we just thank you, Father, for that. If we've been dwelling upon these things, if we allow the enemy to take hold of our minds, Father, right now we repent and we ask you, Father, to plant your word in there and give us that supernatural power that we need to walk in victory. And we just praise you, Father, that not only will you do a marvelous work in us to motivate us, to guide us, to provide for us, to protect us, and to nurture and mature us, Father, but also as other people cross our paths, Father, give us the capability to minister to them as well. So we just give you the praise, the honor, the glory for these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, so we see here that though we walk to the, uh, in the flesh, now that word walk means to deport or to conduct oneself according to something. Amen? So when it says that you're walking according to the flesh, unfortunately, when it's talking about the flesh, it's talking about you walking according to your fleshly appetites for pleasure, for fame, glory, for various things that might be contrary to God, but also it talks about you walking around according to the mentality that you had before you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. As we know, there's a lot of things out there in the world that before we started serving Jesus Christ, we thought they were appropriate. But as we accept Jesus Christ in our Lord, as a Lord and Savior, we need to come to the point where we start to take on his mindset. The things that we thought were good before, we now say, i got to abstain from that. Amen? Before I got saved, I drank with the best of them. Before I got saved, I cursed with the best of them. Amen? But once I had a transformation in my heart, in my mind, due to me giving my life over to Jesus Christ, I came to the place where I said, I will not curse anymore. I will not drink anymore. I'm going to abstain from those fleshly things that even though they're pleasurable to me and I could do them easily years ago, now I'm going through the process where the Holy Spirit and the Word of God is refining me, changing me, transforming me, amen, it's almost like they say that caterpillar is going into that cocoon and finally it comes out to be a beautiful monarch butterfly, amen. So God takes us through a transformation process in which we may have started out being filthy rags, dysfunctional, a mess, (laughs) a carn artist, a conniver, all these different negative things, but Through this transformation process that God takes us through, we are no longer that thing that we were before. Matter of fact, if we look at people like Jacob, before he yielded his life over to God, he was known as a conniver, a scoundrel, a liar. I mean, all these negative things. But God, when he actually came to him and asked him a question one day, he said, what is your name? Now, we know God's not dumb. He knows everybody. But he said, Jacob, what is your name? And when Jacob said, my name is Jacob, he was basically confessing, I'm a scoundrel. Amen? But God said, no longer will your name be called Jacob. Now you will be called Israel or one who has prevailed with God. And it's the same thing with us. When we get saved, amen, a lot of us came out of dysfunctional households. We come out of bad experiences. And we thought, according to the things that we went through, We thought according to our experiences. We even thought according to how people treated us. And if you really think about it, a lot of times this place blinders over your eyes that have affected your perceptions negatively. Amen? So as a result, we got to say, God, take these blinders off. Let me see things as they truly are from your perception. And through your word, cultivate me, refine me, rejuvenate me, renovate me, do something new that will enable me to see things from your perspective so I can walk in the abundant life that you intended for us. 
Now, unfortunately, though, even though God's word tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we are a new creature, that old things have passed away, all things have become new, here we see that we have a choice. You know, we have a choice of continuing, even after salvation, to walk in the thought process and the perceptions of an unsaved person, or we can realize that as the enemy tries to do various things and plant various thoughts in our head on a daily basis, that, hey, that thought is contrary to God's nature and his word, so I'm not going to receive it. I like the fact that Bernice says that. I ain't receiving it. <laughs> Amen? Or we could take hold of that thought, and as you take hold of that thought, it starts to shape you, control you, define you, and limit you. Amen? So we see here, it says, though we walk according to the flesh, or conduct ourselves according to our flesh, it says it's on the other side of the coin, we don't war after the flesh. But that's up to you and I. Are we going to war according to our flesh? Are we going to see things according to that carnal mindset that we had before salvation? Or are we going to start to adapt our mind to the principles of God? Amen? Hallelujah. Now, we see here it says that, going back to the flesh, the flesh is your human nature with its physical and moral frailties. No matter how great we thought we are, no matter how much we thought we arrived, I've heard somebody said it before. Before we got saved and transformed, we were all subject to stinking thinking. Amen? Stinking thinking. People say, you're never going to amount to anything. So we got saved and we still walk around with the mindset, I'm never going to amount to anything. A lot of us had negativity in our lives. So you go around on a daily basis speaking negative, negative, and more negative. And the fact is, when you have that kind of mindset, two things happen. Either people start to avoid you or... Misery likes company, so you start to join yourself with a lot of people that have similar type of thinking. Amen? Needless to say, when that happens, you end up getting bound up and limited from fulfilling the things that God has for your life. Now, it goes a little further. It tells us that for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. One of the things you have to realize is that that word war, as it says here, we do not war after that flesh, after the flesh. The word war there is talking about you serving as a soldier in the military campaign. Do you realize that you're wearing the armor of light? Do you realize that you have on the full armor of God? Maybe some of us don't have it on, and that's why the enemy's busting us up. But the reality is that God intended for each one of us the same way a member of the armed forces goes out on a daily basis. He puts on his uniform, and he better have it on right, or his commanding officer is going to step on his toes and have him maybe doing latrine duty. The same way as Christians serving God, we need to put on our armor every day, and as we see here, serve in a military campaign where we're fighting on behalf of God and we're prospering on behalf of God. The underlying word associated with that word war, matter of fact, is the word, let me see here, stratuamai, amen, and it's the root of the word strategy. How many of us are getting up on a daily basis and said, hey, I'm not going to just walk through this thing called life on a daily basis and just kind of float my way around, enemy says anything to me, people say anything to me, I think this about myself, and I don't do anything about it. We need to have a strategy that as we get up, first, we're going to rehearse the principles of God in our mind by doing daily devotions and doing prayer to get our minds right before we go out there into that world. 
because there's a lot of negative stuff waiting for you. Or we can go out having on our uniform, the enemy's sniping at us, shooting us, we're sitting there bobbing and weaving and ducking his hand grenades, and we're wondering why it's happening. So God says we're out there in a war, but he does not want us to fight according to fleshly or humanistic principles. Now, in verse 5, it tells us that we need to cast down imaginations. Amen? I like that. The, the phrase casting down means to lower with violence and to demolish. When you have a negative thought on a daily basis, what do you do with it? Do you sit there and rehearse it in your mind? I mean, I get a vision in my head sometime of, of Christians. You, ever, you, you remember the, the show Martin? And they would talk to Shanene sometime, and Shanene would be like, and she'd be talking to herself, and then finally she'd get smart with Gina or Pam or one of them. And it's almost the same way. The, the enemy plants thoughts in your head, and you've got a choice of whether or not you say, you know what, I resist that thought. I'm not hearing it. Or you can sit there and not only dwell upon that thought, but you can actually take that thought to a higher level. I had the perfect example of that yesterday. I had to meet with some guys that I've been in business with over the last few months, going back to November, and they called me two weeks ago to say, hey, can you meet us on Saturday the, was the 15th? 15th? Amen? And I said, sure. So we get closer to the week. They email me. We confirm the date and the location and everything. And then I set my GPS. I get up first thing in the morning. I think I left like 7, 7.15. So I finally get up there uh, with about 10, 15 minutes to spare. I'm calling the guy. He's not answering. Call again. He's not answering. Call him five times. He's not answering. So all of a sudden the devil speaks to my head and said, they canceled a meeting without telling you. You wasted your time. So you might as well get in your car and drive back another hour, 40 minutes, wasting your time. So needs to say, I called another guy, which, of course, he didn't answer. So finally, it's like I'm sitting here, and the thought is going through my mind, making me say, you know, think stupid things and making me try to feel small and say, hey, you wasted your time. They canceled. And then, you know, the enemy's trying to speak additional stuff. Oh, well, the car's going to break down on the way back. And, you know, you're going to be stuck on the side of the road. And you're going to call AAA, and they're not going to answer either. So here's the thing. The enemy always looks for these opportune moments to try to speak it to your head. But you've got a choice. I'm going to sit there and dwell on this thing and once again use the creative capability in my mind to take it to the next level. In other words, instead of my car not starting, maybe I see my cars in flames on the side of the highway. Or are you going to say, that's a stupid thought, that's a negative, ungodly thought. I'm not receiving that. And Jesus Christ is my refuge. He's my tower of strength. He's my fortress. He's my provider. And he that got me here is going to get me home safely. Amen? We got the choice of whether or not we're going to sit there and rehearse this thing in our mind and let it grow in power or whether we're going to say, you know what, things might seem negative right now, but I'm going to rehearse in my mind the things of God to edify myself, to build myself up, and then not allow myself to become prisoner to the things that are going through my ear gates and my three-pound mass of, <laughs> of material inside that skull right now. Amen? So casting down. It says you need to demolish imaginations. And you might say, okay, well, what are imaginations? Imaginations are these thoughts that we have in our head. And see, here's the thing. God created thoughts or imaginations because he's a creative being. If we look at creation, God thought, he said, I want to create this, this, this being that's going to be made after my likeness. 
And then he thought further. He said, okay, well, when I create this being, I got to put a place where it can inhabit and can flourish. So he said, okay, I'm visualizing this man, this woman. Okay, now I need a planet to put the man and woman on. Now I got the planet. Now I got to put things so that they can eat and, and be warm and create a sun. He's visualizing all these things. And then it tells us in Genesis that God thought of these things. And all of a sudden, God took the thought and he started speaking and said, let there be. You know, a sun. Let there be a planet. Let there be life and all these different things. So God thought, he spoke, and then it was. And God, because he's made, made us in his likeness, he's created us the same way. We think, we speak, sometimes wrongly, and then a lot of times we get the manifestations of the very things that we spoke. And we wonder, why am I sitting here stuck in this dead-end job? Why can't I graduate this class? Why am I always in these, these horrible relationships? Well, maybe it's because in your mind you're visualizing these things, you're speaking these things, and then you're causing these things to manifest in your life. So imaginations are not only thoughts, but it's also the act or the power of forming a mental image in your mind. In other words, you start to visualize this thing, you start to see it. Amen? And you got the choice. Do I speak to it, even though it doesn't exist yet? Do I sit there and dwell and obsess with it, even though it doesn't exist? exist? And then, even more so, do I not only visualize it in my mind and basically incubate it and cause it to grow, then I start to speak on it and start walking in it, or do I take the time to evaluate these imaginations before I bring life to them? Amen? What do you do? See, we have a choice. God's telling us to cast down these imaginations, not the good ones that are fruitful, that are going to take you to achieve greatness in the kingdom of God, but he's telling us for those things that go through your mind, and you're going to, have to, you're going to get a lot of good things as well as bad things, God says before you let them take root in you, first evaluate them to see if they're of me and my nature and my choices for your life, and if they're good, speak to them, run with them, go after them with all your might. Achieve that, that, uh, that destiny and that abundant life that God intended for you. But if they're negative, what does it say to do? Cast them down. Amen? Do you punish those negative thoughts? Or do you sit there? Well, my big toe hurt. Whew. My big toe hurts. My big toe hurts. Then next thing you know, oh, my big toe pain and went up to my knee. And you just keep forming and fashioning. And next thing you know, you got, a, you, you got varicose veins and a blood clot. And I'm going to have a stroke. Next thing you know, you laid out. And everybody's looking at you like, what's your problem? And you go to the doctor. And here's the thing. Sometimes you'll actually go to the specialist and, and say, this is what's wrong with me. And they'll say, I'm analyzing you. I'm doing a medical checkup. I don't see anything wrong. But the whole time you'll be sitting there saying, but I'm in pain. I'm this, I'm that. All these negative things are going on in my body. See, your imaginations are so strong that when you give life to them, you can actually make them your reality, even when medical science, even when the economy, even when the people in your relationships aren't doing the very things that you're perceiving. It's just the very fact that you imagine these things, you give life to them, that they start to grow and they become your reality, even if they're not necessarily reality in the physical world yet. Amen? So that's why it's very important. God says, cast down these imaginations. Don't sit there playing with them. Don't sit in there and say, okay, well, problem A occurred, so now I'm going to see A through Z. And you start forming and fashioning these things that never even existed. And that's the thing. 
we're so analytical, we're so creative that, you know, somebody could say, well, I heard so-and-so got fired because they were late one time too many. And you could take that thought and you could say, well, so-and-so got fired. Well, I did hear two weeks ago that there might be layoffs. And next thing you know, you're walking around and you, you're seeing yourself getting fired. Amen? So you've got to watch that thing. As we see here, demolish or cast down those thoughts with violence. Punish those things. Don't give them a break. As they say in, in military warfare, give them no quarter. Amen? Punish those things in the name of Jesus. So as we see here, um, although we are walking around in these flesh suits and we have human emotions, human thoughts, things that come from, you know, just creation itself, our mind and our flesh, we have to realize that when these, are, these thoughts are coming through our minds, we have a choice. Either you can capture and destroy the effect of these things, or the same things that you allow to grow in your mind are going to now make you prisoner. Amen? Two choices. Capture them and make them your prisoner and cast them down violently, or dwell in them, grow them, or, and become their prisoner as well. Hallelujah. So, one of the things I want to look at is that life itself speaks to us. Amen? Do you realize that? As you walk around on a daily basis, life is speaking to you all the time. It's speaking success, prosperity, it's speaking peace, or it could be speaking doom and gloom. And the thing is, we have to realize that it's not just a case of somebody having a conversation with you in person or over the phone when somebody is speaking to you. You're being spoken to all the time. You ever walk around and you're just thinking and you can like literally hear a voice in your head as you're engaging those thoughts? And, you know, sometimes we are a little crazy, but it's not always crazy. Just the fact that as we go around on a daily basis, we hear these things in our mind. So, and sometimes we encounter situations and it speaks to us. You put a resume out there for a job and you don't get a response. What does that thing speak to you? Does it speak to you that that just wasn't a match and that's not what God had for me? Or does it speak to you the fact that, see, here I get overlooked again. I'll never get a job. How do those things speak to you? You call that person on the other end of the phone, they don't pick up and they don't respond to the voicemail. Does it speak to you that you reject it? Or is it just maybe they're busy right now and they get back to you as soon as they can? What does it speak to you? As you're driving down the road, seeing billboards and seeing other people in cars, watching how people dress and speak and the things that they're doing, how does it speak to you? Whether they're having success or whether they're failing, how does it speak to you? Life has a lot of voices. And what we have to realize is that our minds are like radio receivers. Amen? See, there's signals being transmitted through the air all the time. There's signals being transmitted through the things that we see and read and the conversations we hear and even the conversations we may overhear that we're not involved with. These things are speaking to us all the time. But what is the voice behind those things? Are they lifting us up or are they bringing us down? You have to realize that your mind is so finely tuned by God that literally it's one of the only aspects of your being that can hear not only from this fleshly realm that we live in, but also the supernatural realm. Amen? So all the time we're being bombarded with various things from life, from our minds itself and what we think, as well as the enemy trying to speak things into our head to try to undermine us. Now we're going to see that in, in 1 John 4, 1 through 6. It says, Beloved, Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. 
Hereby know you the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now we see here it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit. And there's a spirit behind everything that we're encountering in life. Amen? Either it promotes Jesus Christ, elevates him, and tells us, hey, there's a God in creation that we should glorify and give our lives to. Or it may be speaking negatively and trying to bring us down or deceive us into seeing that, okay, well, maybe God's not true. Maybe God's not faithful. Maybe God's not this or that. I mean, we see in over the years, the Twilight Sagas and the Vampire Diaries and everything's vampires, 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 vampires. Amen. And this is basically, you know, vampires are one of the creatures in, in science fiction or, or horror that are eternal beings. Amen? And notice how there's blood involved with that. The only way you can get eternal life is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? But they're trying to show you through science fiction and fantasy that there's another way in which you can inherit eternal life without giving glory and honor over, over to God. So we have to see what are the spirits behind some of the things that are out there on a daily basis. And, you know, some of these things speak to us clearly and openly. There's other things that are very subtle in terms of how they speak to us on a daily basis. But regardless, we have to review them and say, what is this thing speaking? What is the principle behind this thing? And do I accept that? Or do I discern that it's not of God and I'm not going to receive that or let it become a part of how I view things? Now that word, try, in this passage of scripture where it says, believe not every spirit but try the spirits. That word try means to test, evaluate, or discern before approval. Once again, it means to test, evaluate, or discern before approval. So you're going to come across various things that try to influence you, but God is saying before you accept it as part of your life and part of your perceptions, first, I want you to test that thing. In other words, I want you to evaluate it, analyze it, and before you accept it as your reality or your perceptions of who you are, what you're capable of, of doing, what your destiny is, and even more so, who God is and how he's going to take care of me for in my life, we need to evaluate first how these things are impacting our perceptions, amen, of these things that are positive and uplifting. You have to realize that our minds are so powerful that even when we fail to realize it, we are subconsciously processing information all the time. Cataloging it, replaying it, dreaming about it. That's why sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and you're troubled. And if you go back and really evaluate where these troubled thoughts are coming from, you may say, I read that thing earlier today. I watched that news story that was negative. You know, I, I watched that movie that scared me before I went to bed. See, even though you might think, okay, it's just two hours of entertainment, or you might say it was just an article in the news and that family over there was mass murder and I don't have any effect on me, then why are you shivering in your sleep at night? Because you took it in, you categorized it, 
Now your subconscious mind is replaying stuff in your head even as you're sleeping and you're waking up shaking and shivering like, oh my God, why am I so anxious? So your mind is cataloging stuff all the time. And we got to be careful that as we're testing, evaluating, categorizing, and ingesting information into our lives, as believers of Jesus Christ, we need to be absorbing stuff that uplifts us, motivates us, empowers us. Amen? If you're sitting there reading novels where you know, the, the heroine at the end is always dying or you know, shipwreck tragedy, this and that, and then you're looking at your relationships, well, all my relationships are always messed up. Well, what are you watching? Amen. What are you reading? What conversations? Who is getting in your ears? Amen. Sometimes it's the people that you're talking to. Maybe they're negative and you need to shut some of that off. So we need to evaluate these things. And that's the thing that God showed me. The voices that are speaking to us on a daily basis are found in people that we interact with. Some of them may be your family. They might be your friends. They could be your associates. They could be co-workers. They could be announcers on the radio. I mean, we've seen this over the, the, the last year or so where people shooting up places and they were listening to this. Or, you know, they got incited by that person to go out and do some kind of violence. So we have to be careful about what we're taking in and who we're listening to. Because even though you say, oh, well, well, I know he's just ranting and raving and it don't have any effect on me, but the reality is whatever you're taking in, you are processing it and it is affecting your behavior as well as how you see stuff. Amen? So people, whether we know it or not, they affect us. Hallelujah. Another thing that affects us I already said that, is the media, movies, television, radio, music, all these different things in the media affect us. Matter of fact, I, I forgot to say it, write it down, but, but video games. We've seen situations where a child harms another child, and they're like, well, in the video game, I was blowing people away, and so de- depending on the maturity level of the game, it's got blood and gore, and the next thing you know, they see they do it in a video game, they're not mature enough to see the difference between a fantasy situation on a, on a game and real world, so they actually go out and act on the stuff that they've been doing in the fantasy world, amen? And there's adults that do the same kind of thing. This guy that just committed this crime down in Tucson... They said he was, I, was, I saw it on CNN the other night, and they were talking about him. They said he was doing this thing called lucid dreaming. And basically, lucid, lucid dreaming is something that basically they did in the mu- movie Inception, where you're asleep, but you're aware that you're asleep, and you're actually interacting in the dream world. And they said they tried to teach you how to not only be in the dream state and, and see it, but to be able to interact with the characters in the dream. So they said, basically, this guy had studied this. He had all these books in his home on lucid dreaming, and he was trying all these techniques, and he was telling all his different friends, like, oh, this is great. You know, in my lucid dreams, I could fly. In my lucid dreams, I could do this. I could be the head of a corporation. I could have superpowers. I could, you know, have fame and fortune. I could do anything I want. But he came to the place where, when he was playing around with those ungodly thoughts and principles, he went from the place where, first, it was just in a dream state, to now... He went out and mass murdered a lot of people. And some people that were talking about the situation said that when he was actually doing that, he may have literally been in a dream state because he had been playing around with that. Amen? So sometimes we might think, okay, media doesn't affect us. But in his case, he was reading videos, books, and publications. He was dealing with various videos and techniques. And it actually took a hold of his mind, captivated him, until he went out and committed major acts of violence. Amen? So don't believe 
that the media can't affect you. One of the things they found over the years is heavy metal music. A lot of the teenagers would listen to that, and they found there's been a thread between the violence in those songs about killing your parents and fighting the cops and all these different things to some of these teenagers actually going out and starting to commit some of the things that they literally heard on their songs. Amen? So the media truly does affect us. And it's the same thing with written publications and advertisements. As you're driving around and you're doing various things, you have to realize that these things have an effect on your mind, on your behavior, on, on the various things that you believe, as well as the things that you're capable of doing. These things truly start to have an effect on you. And like I said, if you don't capture them, filter them out when they're ungodly, they may come to the point where now they stick, take a root over you, start to control you, and now you're going out and doing the bidding of those negative, ungodly thoughts that were going through your mind. Amen? I like to think of the, the process of our minds being similar to a coffee pot. Amen? She's looking at me straight. <laughs> but, you know, when you have a, a, one of those coffee pots, one of the things you see is that it has like this filter, like a filter unit or some kind of thing you put in there. And what does the filter do? got the coffee but it's got the filter you pour the water in and what it does is i don't like coffee but it lets the coffee percolate and come out and the coffee comes out but basically the impurities are filtered out so that supposedly you're only getting the fresh pure stuff that satisfies your thirst your palate for the fine ground stuff amen <laughs> I, i'm not in the coffee world but <laughs> but it's the same thing in our minds amen the Word of God is intended to be that filter that as the enemy sends in ungodly things that are trying to cripple you in your faith and cripple your ability to witness to other people, the enemy does it, but also we ourselves have negative thoughts about ourselves. Amen? So instead of sitting there just fantasizing about it or getting depressed and despondent over it, instead, God has given us a filtration system. Amen? If that is not edifying for your life, if that's not going to build you up, if that's not going to motivate and guide you to the abundant life that God had in store for you, God says you need to take it through the filter of the word and only let the pure stuff go into your mind. Amen? Amen. And we're going to see why that's important. So like I said, we got to watch the relationships we have with people. We have to watch the media that, that we're absorbing into our minds. Amen? Because it goes down into our heart and our spirits. We have to watch out for written publications and advertisements. Creation itself speaks to us as well. One of the things that we deal with all the time is our flesh talking to us. Are you negative-minded or are you positive-minded? We did a series previously on with Dr. Caroline Leaf. And it shows us that literally, if you think negatively, you build like these things that look like trees in your mind that are negative pathways. Whereas you think positively according to the Word of God, it not only... Um, uproots those negative trees, but it plants in stuff and, and, and positive channels in your mind that build you up. And the thing is, when you think negatively, amen, those secretions in your body are even triggered that can cause physical ailments. So we have the choice. And then finally, like I said, supernatural influences. We have to watch out for them. The enemy will speak into your mind. Amen? And it's your choice. We saw already that we have weapons of warfare that give us the supernatural power to cast down imaginations, but it's up to you. Will you use the weapons of your warfare, or will you just lay there and get beat upon by the enemy? Amen? Now, I want to look real quick about the purpose of our thoughts. Amen? The purpose of our thoughts. 
uh, the purpose of thoughts, rather. And we see here in John 10.10, it says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So we see here, it says that the thief cometh not but what? To kill, steal, and destroy. So in other words, the enemy is not wasting his time. Sometimes we wake up in the morning, what are you going to do today? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just going to kind of chill. You know, I'm going to just relax. Well, you don't seem very motivated today. I don't know. I'm just kind of tired. Well, the enemy, he's not going to waste his time coming after you unless he has a strategic plan of some area in your life where he's going to either put you in the bondage, cripple you, or even if he doesn't get you directly, he tries to speak it to your life in such a way that those who God would have you minister to they won't be able to receive it because you're so beat up. They're like, well, what do I need Jesus for if that's all he's doing in your life? Amen? So the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And that word destroy means a prolonged form of death. Wow. And, and see, here's the thing. Jesus is talking to believers. And he's telling us. He's warning us. He's saying the thief is trying to steal away God's treasures in your life. He's trying to kill off. Your hopes and dreams, all your aspirations and your trust in me. And say he's trying to give you a prolonged form of death. Amen? So as a believer, we can either trust God at his word and say, hey, God loves me. He's going to give me eternal life. But see, eternal life doesn't just start after this body dies and we go to glory. Eternal life starts now. We need to be enjoying our existence with God. God does not want us walking around subject to the devices of the enemy where he's stealing, killing, and destroying us. And as we see here, having a prolonged form of death. And what is a prolonged form of death? That's where God is saying, as we see here, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And that word abundantly means exceedingly beyond measure. God says, I want you to have a life that's beyond anything you can even imagine. Anything you could ever measure before you accept me as Lord and Savior. But he says here that instead of getting that, the enemy could give you a prolonged form of death. In other words, you walk around beat up, despondent, tortured, and coming up far short of what Jesus Christ had intended for you. Amen? So that's the thing. Are we going to allow the devil to make our lives miserable? Or we're going to enjoy this thing called life. We're going to treasure the experience of being here. Amen? It's greater for us to be in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. But boy, we can have some fun right now. Amen? We can enjoy our existence with Jesus Christ, even while we're here. So God wants us to have a life that's exceedingly above measure. If you were unsaved, you might have had a good life. But even once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He wants the contentment, the peace, the pleasure you have in life. And I'm not talking about secular pleasures of money and clothing and stuff like that. I'm talking about the pleasure of you just get up every morning and just like, wow, God bless me with another day. Wow. New opportunities to minister to people. Wow. Another day to go to work when maybe others don't have a job. Wow. Another day to have great health in my body when some people are laying in the hospital sick. We're supposed to enjoy all these things. They have a, a vigor, an excitement about them. But we see here the enemy says, I want to let you have a prolonged form of death. A prolonged form of death is like it'd be easier for you to snuff me out than have me to continue to exist. Amen? <laughs> I think I saw that in, in a movie recently. The guy's like, I'm not going to kill you, but it's not as an act of mercy. I'm not going to kill you because 
I just want to know that you're alive, knowing what I did to you. Amen? So I'm going to let you continue to exist so you can suffer. So the enemy wants us to suffer, but God says, I give you life and life more abundantly. And a lot of that abundant life is, once again, right there in that massive of gray matter. How do you perceive things? How do you visualize your life? Even when you have trials and tribulations, do you see God in the midst of them and a God that says, even though you're going through thick and thin right now, I'm going to get you out to the other side? Amen? Even if the enemy places a mountain in your path, God gives us the capability to climb up over it, to tunnel through it, to go under it, or to pick that bad boy up and throw it in the ocean. But do you see God in the midst of your circumstances with the power to do that? So the enemy comes at us to try to destroy, destroy us. And one of the primary ways that he tries to do it, because he knows he can't attack us physically, he knows that God has sealed us, preserved us, and, and protected us, but yet he tries to throw in these thoughts because literally that's the only way he can attack us. He wants to hit it. If, if the devil had his way, it would be World War III. The nukes would be coming down and every one of us would be, be dead. Amen? But God holds his hand back. So all he can do in the life of the believer is just throw in a thought to make you change your perceptions and the reality of what God is doing in your life. And we're going to see here how our thoughts can affect us. Matthew 12, 34 through 37 says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man... Out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words shalt thou be justified, and by thy words shalt thou be condemned. So as I said, the enemy comes in and tries to destroy us through our thought life. And what he does is he puts these negative principles or these lusts in our mind. And if we sit there dwelling on them instead of casting them down, they start to take root. They start to grow. And it's just like a plant that you put out in a flower garden. You put down a couple seeds. Well, the first generation, you might get one plant for every seed. But if you continue to nourish and grow that thing, the plants themselves yield more seeds, and the next thing you know, you have way more than you started out with. So the enemy will plant a thought into your head, and if you sit there nurturing that plant, amen, <laughs> instead of killing it with the word of God, one thought will lead to more thoughts. Next thing you know, your mind is captivated with all this negative stuff. And as we see here, it's out of the abundance of what goes into your mind and filters down into your heart that controls the core of your being. So we see here, what does it do? Out of the good treasure, when you trust in God, when you believe in God, and you speak in faith, God says you reap a good harvest out of the things that you trust in me for, out of the things you have faith in me for. You're not only thinking in your mind, but it'll be in the core of your being, but also you'll start to speak according to those things that you believe. But he says, if you go on the other side of the coin and you've been absorbing all this negative and ungodly stuff that the enemy of your flesh has tricked you into out of the evil treasure, the stuff that you buried down that takes you away from God or the stuff that makes you go into bondage, these are the starts of things that you start to think and to speak. Praise the Lord. Yeah, so um, what happens is, not only, it's, it's really, I'm just getting this, it's really a repeating cycle, amen, of the same thing. Because what happens first is that 
That first thought comes in. And that's why it was key in our test scripture. It says, cast down every imagination. Amen? Not the ones you feel like. Not the ones you want to fight. Not the ones that, okay, well, that one's not quite as bad as that other thought, so I'll fight this one, but I'll let that one go. It says, cast down every imagination that basically tries to elevate itself in your heart and your mind above God. Because what happens is, as you start to dwell upon that thought, it trickles down, and I already talked about the filter, it goes down through that filtration system. And if you don't filter it out with the Word of God, it goes down from your mind, down into your heart, and then it becomes part of your core. And then, as you go around on a daily basis, and you encounter various situations with people, jobs, career choices, and stuff like that, you go into these various situations, and based upon what occurs, what happens? You speak out of what you already put in there. So if you had a negative situation that you didn't deal with in God properly, when you encounter a negative situation again, what do you speak out of? The negative thing that happens. See, this always happens to me. So you speak it. Well, guess what happened when you spoke it? You took in the seed initially, planted it down, and it rooted itself deep. Now you spoke negative. See, this always happens to me. I never get my goals. Now you planted another set of seeds out there. Then you start to dwell on those thoughts. They come in. Now you've got more. And then next time you counter another situation, daggone it, this is the tenth time this happened. I knew I was going to get this situation. Now you've got two sets of stuff. Speaking of that, and it's just a repeating cycle, repeating cycle, repeating cycle. Amen? That's why we need the Word of God. Because we would, dry, we would cripple ourselves. See, a lot of times we're thinking it's the devil tearing us up. It ain't the devil. It's us. Amen? For multiple reasons. First of all, the devil is not omnipresent like God. He is not positioned everywhere at all times like God is. So a lot of times we blame the devil. It ain't the devil. It's, sometimes it's his minions. Sometimes it's creation. But a lot of times it's us and how we think. And we go around on a daily basis, it ain't going to happen, oh, it won't be for me, oh, i never get what I want, oh, I'm always failing, oh, I'm never amount to anything like everybody said. We keep speaking all this other stuff and rehearsing and rehearsing it, and we're actually continuing to build a garden of defeat. First in our minds, then our hearts, and then as we see new opportunities in God, we evaluate them based upon how we felt from the stuff that we've already planted in before and with the stuff that we've continued to speak. So in other words, God could be saying, this is totally yours. All you got to do is step out in faith, and it's yours. But because we've already blinded ourselves according to what happened before, what we spoke, what we felt, and we continue to speak and rehearse it and recycle it, we can't even get the thing that God literally says is there. All you got to do is step into it. We can't because we're blocking ourselves based upon the stuff that we felt before. Amen? So that's why God says, even though it's like, oh, well... That thought didn't really bother me, so I won't put that one against the Word of God like it says. That's disobedient. God says, cast down every imagination. Amen? And we all fail in that. So I ain't pointing fingers at anybody. We all fail in that. Amen? And we really, really took God literally at His Word and said, every time I have a negative, ungodly thought that contradicts the Word of God, contradicts who He is in my life, contradicts what He could do for my destiny, if we took every thought and cast it down as God did... We probably own this town. <laughs> Heads of corporations, multi-billion dollar charities, careers in music. I mean, there's probably nothing that we couldn't attain if we retrain ourselves in doing it God's way as opposed to the way that we always did it. But that's the thing. We don't realize it, but even the most upbeat person, according to the perspective of God, is probably really negative. 
because we just grew up that way. Amen? Just think about it. You got the grandmother. How you doing, grandma? Oh, well, you know, these bones always hurting. <laughs> then you go over to this person. Well, how you doing? And they proceed to tell you, well, I broke this. <laughs> I mean, we are trained as a people, saved and unsaved, to be negative. So as children of God, we got to say, no longer am I going to do it the way that people always done around me. I'm going to retrain myself, and I'm going to start to speak according to God's ways. Amen? Amen? And even though things may not be the way I want them to be right now, I'm going to speak those things that be not as though they are. See, I'm heading somewhere, and I got a destiny, and I'm seeing God doing marvelous things in my life. I'm going to have the career I dream of. I'm going to have healing in my body. I'm going to have peace and contentment in my heart. Because even if I don't have it right now, I'm going to visualize it. And here's the thing. We'll, we'll obsess over the negative thoughts. We'll lose sleep. You'll go three days tearing yourself up, torturing yourself, stressing and shaking and pulling out our hair and biting down our fingernails to a nub. And we'll pull down the curtains and darken the lights and we'll just obsess over the negativity. But how many of us take the time to obsess over the positivity, the power of God's word? Amen? So we put our energies into the wrong thing. So if we're going to obsess, obsess in God's ways. Even if you don't believe it yet, just the fact that you keep rehearsing it, at some point, it'll start, start to happen. So I have, you know, martial arts training, and, and, and Mr. Kelly will tell you that as well. In martial arts training, you may not necessarily understand the techniques or the importance right away. But what they do is they keep you rehearsing them and rehearsing them and rehearsing them. And the funny thing is that I'm a second-degree black belt near my third, but at that level and going to where I can get my third-degree black belt, believe it or not, in the training, I go back to white belt forms and go all the way up. See, even though I'm advanced, I still do the initial first-day white belt disciplines and techniques because you need to continually rehearse them so that the foundation upon which I am now arrived is not lost. Because, see, even though when somebody throws a punch a certain way and I block that way to parry it and move outside and come in this attack one way, and then they come and try to attack me another way and I block that way because I want to go inside, that might be foundational things, but it's in the, the foundation of those things are necessary for me to go into the more advanced techniques that will really preserve me gets a greater attack. So are we exercising and rehearsing the foundational principles of what God has placed in us? Or are we so busy obsessing over negative stuff? Well, it didn't work the last time I tried it, so it ain't going to work this time, and I'm just going to mope. Amen? We need to keep rehearsing the foundational principles of God. Amen? We need to start pleading the blood of Jesus. We need to keep pro proclaiming the verses of scriptures that we learn. Amen? If you just have nothing but Psalms 23 to recite when the devil's coming after you, do something. Amen? Don't sit there and say, okay, well, I did it through God, God's way the last time. I read a scripture, I sang a song, and I prayed, and it didn't work. So it ain't going to work this time, so I'm just going to let the enemy buffet me and just do what he wants. No, keep rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing. Because see, what happens, getting back to the martial arts analogy, as you keep rehearsing the various things, it goes into what you call your muscle memory, so that at some point, when the enemy attacks you, you don't have to think. I mean, there's times where I actually had to stop myself because my muscles have memory to do certain things. I was at a Wawa one day, and a guy came up behind me. And I, like, suddenly, I just, without thinking, I turned and was about to parry what my brain and my muscles told me was an attack. I was going to turn around and parry the blow and counterattack. And I literally had to stop myself, like, whoa, 
I like caught myself, and me and the guy looked at each other kind of funny. I was just like, in my muscle memory, it's like attacker come up behind, count, block the attack, and counterattack. But I was just at an ATM. <laughs> Amen? See, it was in my muscles so that I didn't have to think. But I was able at least to stop myself and not, you know, go to jail that day. <laughs> Amen? So the same thing with us and the principles of God. God wants you to get, here you go, Trey, in your spiritual muscle memory that every time the enemy comes with you at you with a certain attack, you automatically respond without thinking. The enemy says, you're not getting that job. Well, your muscle memory God should say, my God should supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Amen? Amen. The enemy tells you you're sick in your body. Well, hey, the, the fervent affectional prayer of a righteous man developed much, I'm going to be healed. And by Jesus Christ's stripes, I am healed. See, we need to start rehearsing the things of God instead of rehearsing the things of the devil and causing them to grow even greater in our minds. Amen? So the main opponent, a lot of times, is us. And what the enemy wants to do, like I said, he wants to get the thought into your mind. He wants to go down to your heart, which is the core of your being. And it wants to, to control your perceptions. And here's the thing. The enemy will sit back there. He'll plant a thought in your head. And then he'll sit back and say... Watch this sucker tearing themselves up. <laughs> and we're sitting there, the enemy's attacking us, attacking us, attacking us. And, and, and Christians walk around on a daily basis. This ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen. God wasn't dependable. God wasn't faithful. Or we'll sit there and try to spiritualize it. We won't go straight out and say, God's not faithful, which is what we're really thinking. We'll go to somebody, well, you know, with this pitiful look on it. Well, you know, God just didn't come through yet. What you really want to say, if you're being honest, like, well, God ain't faithful. I mean, we need to be in a place where we continue to just rehearse things of God. Amen. You see, people commit what I call spiritual arson. With one side of our mouth or on one daily basis, you know, we'll pray. We haven't really engaged the enemy in battle yet. So we say, I'm believing God for this. Amen. And we're bold and we're excited and we're trusting God. And then... Because we had it in our minds that it should have happened in two days. A week later, well, dang, it didn't happen, so maybe God didn't hear. Or maybe God don't care. Or maybe God's words not. We start allowing these things to go in. So the creative power of your minds forming and fashioning can have you go from speaking something in faith to later on going on and actually burning up or destroying with the creative power of your mouth the very thing you believed them for earlier on. So in other words, we have to be consistent. If you believe in God for something, profess in faith, God's going to do this. And no matter what it looks like, no matter what people say, you have to keep staying on that same area. God's going to do. God's going to do. God's going to do. And once again, even if you don't believe it at first, if you want to be dumb or naive, be dumb and naive on the good side of God. Profess his stuff that you may not believe. Amen? See, I like the man that came to Jesus. And Jesus said his son was being tormented. And, and Jesus said, will you believe I can, can, can deliver your son? And he said, yes, Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. See, this is a small part of me because it's failed a, a hundred times before, even with your disciples. This is a small part of me that says, well, I trust you. I've heard all the things. I've heard all the stories of people you've transformed and touched. But there's still this small part of me in my emotional side that says, you know, maybe it's just not going to happen for me one more time. So at least he was faithful enough to, to confess it for God, Jesus, I believe, but help me with this unbelief. And because of that, Jesus said, hey, I know you're frail. 
I know you got shortcomings, but tell you what, just because you profess and we're honest about the small part where you're struggling a little bit, I'll go the extra mile, meet you there, and I'll give you deliverance of your situation anyway. Amen? So we got to continue to keep professing in faith no matter what we see that God's going to give us the breakthroughs that we need in our lives. Now, we talked about what the enemy tries to do. He tries to plant in these ungodly thoughts. He tries to get you to nurture them, cause them to grow, and then they plant more seeds and more seeds until you have a harvest of that garbage in your brain. Now, let's look at the verse where the Old Testament is telling us what to do. Well, it's in Proverbs 4.20. Proverbs 4.20. It says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. So we see here it says, My son, attend to my words, incline thy ear unto my sayings. When it's saying attend to my words, it's saying don't allow this other stuff to captivate your mind. You know, I want you to focus on, I want you, if you have to, to obsess with, I want you to take in and absorb my principles. And anytime you're praying and believing and thinking about situations, I want you to incline your ear towards my sayings. And that's what happens. The enemy wants you to incline your ear towards what he got to say. Failure, doom, and gloom. And here's the thing, because people, like I said, like misery and they like doom and gloom. As soon as they hear something negative, their ears are perking up. They're like, what'd you say? We need to be in a place where when the enemy is trying to say something, instead of leaning towards him and saying, what do you say, devil? So he could torment us anymore? We need to say, okay, well, I'm stopping up this ear, and I'm leaning myself over to the principles of God. Well, what does God say about the situation? What is the report of God? What is the testimony of the word of God regarding my circumstances? Once again, the doctor gives you a negative report that this is wrong in your body. But yeah, you might hear that negative report, but you don't have to sit there forming a fashion imagery of you dying on the, on the table and all this negative stuff. Instead, you need to say that even though the report says I have this medical ailment, God's word says that he's a healer. God's word says he's a comforter. Amen? So we need to incline our mind, our heart, our emotions over to God. And we see here that if we think upon the things of God by inclining ourselves towards him, then what happens is, it says his words, if we don't let them depart from our heart, they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. So as we see here, the word of God builds you up. Life has so many different ways of tearing us down, but the word of God, amen, even in the most dismal circumstances, I've seen testimonies of people that just because they continue to trust in God and to continue to think about God's principles, even in the midst of being in prison, even in the midst of being oppressed, they still had a peace about them. And people look at them like, how in the world can you be peaceful? They're like, because God's speaking to me. God's comforting me. God is, is doing so many marvelous things. Amen? I mean, they came, I saw the testimony of a woman who had the gnarled hands and the voice, voice of the martyrs. And they asked her, what does she need? You would think the first thing out of her mouth would be like either a, a huge meal because she's emaciated, or free me out of this jail. She's like, I want a Bible. She's like, the Bible? Like, release? Food? <laughs> Good clothing? A Bible. Because she said, my hands are like this because I held on for dear life as they beat my hands to take the Bible out of my grip. Amen? 
So there's some treasures that are greater than earthly sustenance. And she had, she was in prison. She wasn't, she was malnourished, but yet she was at peace and liberty from a spiritual and emotional perspective because everything, and here's the thing, even without a Bible in her hands from day to day to read, she still had the heart of God and she inclined herself to thinking about things from a godly perspective. So how much more so should we be doing that? I mean, our airwaves and our cable channels are, are saturated with the Word of God. we got 8 million translations sitting up in our house gathering dust. How much more so should we, with the blessings we've been provided here in America, trust God at His Word and not let earthly, fleshly circumstances, economy and stuff like that, people talking trash about us, whatever, affect us in light of what God has provided us. Amen? Now, um, one of the things we've got to realize is that, like I said, there is a power emanating from your thoughts. Amen? Your thoughts are extremely powerful. Even though it seems that your life is governed by your body getting up and moving here and there and your speech and the things you hear and stuff like that, a lot of stuff that shapes you and affects your future goes back to your thought life and how you see stuff. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, um, one of the things you got to realize, like I said, is that your thoughts form imagery, and you got a choice of whether your thoughts are going to be godly and pleasing and edifying and comforting to you, or whether they're going to be ungodly, satanic, things which will filter down to your heart and control the essence of who you are and what your perceptions are about God and his nature, about your capabilities, about your future. You have the choice. And see, here's the thing. If somebody were to come at you and attack you physically, even the most docile person would try to defend themselves, amen, or try to at least escape. But you have thoughts that are probably impacting you even more that we just sit there and just, okay, I'll just take that in. And I'll just, like I said, replay it, rehearse it. Because, see, physical attacks coming your way are tangible. You could touch them. If somebody comes at me with their hands, we could touch each other body to body. I could try to grab them and, and restrain them. If somebody comes at me with a weapon, I could try to block it or, or get it out of their hands. It's, it's tangible. So it seems that only the tangible things can harm us. But the reality is that even though thoughts are intangible and you can't grab them or touch them, they can grab and touch you. Amen? So how many people are stuck, as they say, stuck in a rut because they thought a certain way and they were unable to come up out of situation. See, the thoughts got a grip on them. The thoughts imprisoned them and controlled them. The thoughts bound them up so they couldn't move in the freedom that God had intended for them. And the thing is, those thoughts, unchecked, wreaking havoc and out of control in your life, as I said earlier, you know, I used the big toe example, but the reality is that even though thoughts are intangible and you can't touch them, they can start to have a tangible effect in your life if you don't get them in check. You really will. I mean, they call it hypochondriacs. Amen? People that literally think themselves sick because they keep thinking and thinking and thinking until after a while, it's like their body secretes chemicals and hormones, and next you know, they literally have problems in their physical body because they kept thinking it and thinking it until something finally occurred. And if you look at the next verse, we'll actually see that this is something that can happen. We see here it says, For as he thinketh in his heart... So is he. Proverbs 23, 7, the first, first half of it. Once again, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. In other words, what you think, that is what you will be. Just think about that. 
It's not what the enemy does to you that will control who you are. It's not what people around you talking about you, talking you down, are doing to you that controls who you are. What controls who you are? Actually, even going a step further, God himself. You can block what God is speaking to you. Because as it says here, as the person thinks in their heart, so is he. God can say, wow, I'm going to do this and that. I'm going to take you here and there. I'm going to give you all these different things. But if you think in your mind it'll never happen, it ain't going to happen. And that's a shame. And, and see, God loves you enough that he'll provide you this incredible future. But God is not going to turn you into a Christian robot that he pulls the puppet strings like Pinocchio and moves you around. Amen? You've got to make the decision as to whether or not you're going to walk in victory in God. We see here, it says, when it talks about thinketh in his heart, that process of thinking, it says, is acting as a gatekeeper. What do you allow into the property of your brain? Do you just keep the gate open all the time so that every old thought can come in and out? And they just they can help themselves. Amen? The negative thoughts come in. Oh, well, you're going to lose the home. So you let them negative thoughts keep coming in. Well, the economy's bad. Well, I called that person trying to sell the house. They said, well, it's a bad, it's not a seller's market right now. All these negative things coming in. And you just keep the gate open. And instead of trusting God and say, despite the economy, despite people, despite what it may seem to be, I serve a God that can give me victory in a situation. You have the choice of either trusting God or saying, I'll leave the gate open for the enemy to come back and forth. Amen? And it's just like somebody doing a home invasion. They can just come and just grab up all your stuff, tie you up in a chair, gag your mouth, and you're just sitting there quiet and trapped in bondage when God is saying, no, don't let the thief just come in and take your stuff. Close that gate. Only let good things come in your mind. Close the gate on the bad stuff. You have the choice. God says you are the one that is acting as the gatekeeper. And that's why we need to know the Word of God and rehearse the Word of God so that when these thoughts come in, if it's of God... God's saying, he's going to do this in my life. You say, all right, open gate. Come on in. And then you close that gate. And then when that negative thought from the enemy of your flesh comes, you say, "Uh uh-uh, you're barred. You're denied access. It's like a gated community. Amen? Think about your brain as a gated community where somebody drives up, and when they first get there, there's the, the two gates closed. Amen? And you come up to this little panel, and you either push a code to gain access to the property, or you have to push a button. And when you push the button, either the tenant or somebody's security says, mask who's, who, who this is? They say, oh, my name's Brian Fox. Well, who are you here to see? Oh, I'm here to see so-and-so. All right. Bzz, gates open, you come in. Well, it needs to be the same thing with your thought life. That negative thought comes in, well, you're going to have a heart attack. Well, do you just buzz without checking who's there first? Or do you say, who are you? Who are you, thought? And what is your purpose? Who are you here to see today? Are you a thought that's here to visit my health and tell me that I'm about to get messed up? Or are you a thought that says, hey, I'm going to live great. I'm going to live 113 years old like that article I just read yesterday. Amen? So when that thought comes up to the gate of your mind, do you, first of all, do you have a gate there? <laughs> Second of all, do you either screen it or you have security of the word of God at that gate to say, I'm not allowing any intruders to come in and thieves to come in and steal my stuff? Or, once again, do you have open access to your brain to any old thought that gets coming in and out, lead you astray, seduce you, keep you in bondage, beat you up, make you despondent, you know, have you almost suicidal as a Christian? That's just a pitiful thing. Amen? So, God says, you are the one 
who has to act as a gatekeeper. And here's the reason why. Because as you think of in your heart, so are you. And that word heart there is not just your literal blood-pumping human heart. The word heart there is talking about the core of one's being or the vital principle governing you. What is the vital principle governing your life? Amen? Is it founded upon the Word of God? That Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior? That God supplies all my needs? That God is my fortress of strength? That when I'm in time of trouble, I can run to my Heavenly Father and He's going to meet my needs? Or is your life founded on the principle of what people have spoken into it? What circumstances have done? What is the foundation of your heart? As we see here, God wants you to live life and live it more abundantly, but you got to take ownership of the gate of what comes in and out of your mind on a daily basis. Amen? And you got to recognize whether or not those thoughts as they come, are they coming to mean me good or are they coming here to mean me bad? Amen? So we need to process those things. And like I said, the thoughts in your mind form imagery and filters down into your heart and then it will control you. So that's basically telling us that we need to watch what we allow to enter and take root into our minds. Amen? Then the second thing we see is that we have to be careful who we permit to speak into our lives. I don't care what credentials they have. I don't care what, how much money they have. I don't care how much older they are. If they're not speaking godly stuff into your life and speaking stuff that will take you to the next level in your life, well, who are they to speak? I don't care if they're the prime minister or Timbuktu. If they don't have something good and godly to say about you, you don't have to listen to it. Now, I'm not telling you you got to sit there. Well, you don't talk to me like that. You ain't got to be fighting. All. You can just sit there politely. But I ain't hearing a word you say. Because I'm not allowing anybody to speak into my life and into my mind that's contrary to the word of God. I am defined, in other words, by what the word of God says about me, not what people or even myself wants to say about me. The word of God governs me. And here's the thing. If there's any area in my life that is not aligned with the word of God then we need to go back and study the scriptures so that we can refocus ourselves, take all that ungodly mess out, and then get ourselves lined back in our thought process and perceptions according to what the Word of God says. So we have to be careful who we permit to speak into our lives. And as I said earlier, we have to watch the company we keep because misery loves company. You ever notice that if you get some people that are depressed and gossipers and murmurs, complainers, that none of them are going anywhere? They're not going anywhere. And see, because they're not going anywhere and they don't have any plans to go anywhere, they want to stay in their rut and they want to find somebody that will join them in their misery. You don't need people to... You, we got enough negativity in our lives in and of ourselves with bills and people at work and at school that are challenging us and the things that we feel and think in our flesh. We got enough issues without us finding people that we can partner with in terms of negativity. Amen. You know, I saw something in the journals that said that negativity is, is contagious. <laughs> Watch out for people that are carriers. <laughs> Some people are contagious. <laughs> hey, you either need to vaccinate them with the Word of God. <laughs> Or you need to say, I can't just be hanging around you anymore. So we need to watch the company we keep because misery loves company. And like I said, we have to take our thoughts back to the Word of God. And once we evaluate them, try the spirits, test the principles that we're thinking about according to the Word. If it lines up to the Word of God, we receive it, we start to grasp it, 
we start to apply it and we can start to let it be the essence of who we are and what drives us. But if it's contrary to the word of God, then we need to throw it out. So I'm not going to, I'm not taking that in. I'm not allowing that to shape me and I'm not going to live according to that thing. Amen. Now I'm going to do one more verse and we'll continue on next week. Um, Numbers 1330 through 33. And it says, Caleb still the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it, are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the son of, sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So as we see here, God tells you to do something. He has something in your destiny for you. We need to have the Caleb attitude. Let's go up at once and do that thing. Don't take time to hesitate because with hesitation, there's time for the enemy to come in and bring anxiety. So if God is speaking something to our heart and to our minds and in our life, we need to go out and pursue it to the best of our abilities at once. Amen? Because the enemy would try to stop us in our tracks. But we see here, unfortunately, that the other spies that were involved in the story, they saw the giants in the land. So all of a sudden they were like, well, I know what God promised, but you don't realize what I see in front of me. So they were focused on the tangible and the physical as opposed to the supernatural promises of God. And because of that, they failed to realize that with the promises of God comes the provision and the supernatural power that you need to attain whatever he puts before you. Amen? So as a result of them thinking according to the flesh, letting their negativity get in there, and them hesitating, they started seeing the giants in the land, and they said, we're not going to be able to do that because if we go there, those giants are going to kill us. And as we see here, because they were grasshoppers in their own sight, they became grasshoppers in the sight of the enemy. In other words, if you're intimidated and you think small about yourself, you're going to be small to the enemy. He's not going to respect you. He's going to come in and take from you. He's going to block you in your path, speak to you any way he wants to, and you'll just sit back and be subject to his taunting and the stuff that he puts you through. Amen? As opposed to having the mindset of God and say, I know there are giants in that land. I see them. But the God I serve, he's given me the power, he's given me the promise, he's given me the provision. And hey, if I got to go through those giants, just like David did, I believe that the same God that told me to go on this path and fulfill this destiny, he's the same God that can smite that Philistine in front of me so that I can get to the other side to my destiny. Amen? So I am, we should have the mindset that I am well able to attain the promises of God. It doesn't matter what I even feel. It doesn't matter what I see. I just got to have faith in God to just step out, and God will do the rest. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, so we're going to just finish up with that today, and we'll continue on with this next week. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.